Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today my guests are Ben and Aubrey Thompson. They are farming on four acres in Ferndale, California, family-owned, certified organic farm, growing a diverse selection of vegetables, herbs, and flowers on the coast of Humboldt County. They market their produce through a free choice market-style CSA, as well as to local grocery stores and low-income food distribution programs. They operate a bustling weekend farm stand that serves their local community and have recently shifted their marketing strategy away from farmers' markets to focus on grocery store sales. Their first generation farmers who learned to farm by working for other local organic growers on varying scales of production. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Howdy, Michael. (laughs) So give us a little bit of um, when did you both get into agriculture? I moved to this area about nine years ago and pretty quickly found a farm that was looking for work. Um, I had never seen a vegetable farm before really in any sort of um, real scale. I had always done gardening and things like that, but um, it, the second I saw it and got to be out there, I was um, totally in love. Um, mm. Thought it was the coolest, coolest thing I'd ever found as far as work goes. And um, so I spent six years or so working on local vegetable farms um, okay mainly for one guy who was um kind of gave me the opportunity to run a lot of tractors and um do planting cultivation and even got to the point where we were doing some grain and i was combining and um mm. so, so it really i got to kind of dive full on into it um and it really opened my eyes up to something that I was just completely stoked on. Mm-hmm. Now I'm interesting if with that background, does your farming system still contain a lot of um, machinery or is it looks like you're more on more of a market style? Yeah, I think we're sort of somewhere in between. I mean, right okay. now we're uh, a little over, we're about four, we're four acres and a, a, like a three and a quarter of that is, is out in the field. Um, I mean, I like running machinery. I, we have a tractor disc Mm -hmm. plow as needed and things like that. Um, so I think I do, you know, we're not tarping our three acres of, of, you know, field or anything like that. So we're somewhere in the, in the middle of that. Um, we do have dreams of farming more land. And so we sort of are keeping our heads in the space of kind of a larger farm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Aubrey, you want to share about your background? Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, always really into gardening. I, I, when I moved to the area in 2015, I was doing, um, residential homes, uh, gardening, residential homes just for work. And, uh, to supplement my income, I was looking, I found 
an ad on Craigslist for um, a vegetable farm that just needed needed some help. It actually mm-hmm. happened to be the same farm that Ben was working on. And that's how we met. Um, and so I got a little bit of experience there doing harvesting and a lot of weeding and stuff like that. I did have yeah. a dream of uh, starting my own plant nursery and actually starting a business. And Ben, actually, I think you kind of pushed me in that direction <laughs> to actually follow that dream. And so um, the local community college had as an ag program. And so I decided to kind of um, change direction and go through that whole program for a couple, it was a two-year program. And so I got a lot of experience, uh, varied experience through that. And then also in that time, I found work on two other farms, um, small, small scale, smaller scale farms, anywhere between three to three to five acres of vegetable production. Um, one of those farms I worked at for two full seasons. And then I worked in the winter for the other farm. So, um, I got, um, a varied, um, kind of, a, a seeing an, an approach to a, a few different types of a few different scales. Mm. Um, so that was really cool. Um, and I think that was, yeah, I think that was mostly it. Very cool. So now do you guys have a, a nursery as part of your farm now or? No, we, uh, we just do, I mean, we do in the beginning of the season, a very small amount of, um, just to kind of kick off our farmer's market and farm stand, just to kind of fill it out in the beginning of the year, we do a little bit of, um, nursery sales for Mm -hmm. just a small amount of vegetables, um, vegetable varieties. Yeah, we actually this year, well, kind of fell into the nursery side of things. We yeah. got got rhubarb and blueberries and raspberries because we're planting them ourselves. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, it's all about volume discounts and mm-hmm. I'm all about sales. So mm-hmm. uh, we bought a bunch extra and I've been kind of blown away by the sales of just these, you know, nursery stock that we've been able just to, you know, keep watered and people come and buy them and the margin on them is really, really well good. So yeah, it's kind of neat. I mean, you don't you don't have to plant them, you don't have to weed them, and you can get get pretty good, um, yeah, pretty good money for them. Well, and, and the other thing I was telling, I forget, someone visited the farm the other day. I was telling them is, um, you know, they buy the blueberry plants, and then you sell them blueberry fertilizer, you sell them <laughs> ground cloth, you sell them peat moss or compost, and they walk out there, you know, spending a hundred dollars. Right. And the, the blueberry fertilizer we're making ourselves, um, out of, you know, the straight nutrients and mixing it. And the margin on that is, is very, very good as well. So, um, yeah, again, I, I think coming from a background of just raising vegetables, we were very narrow, but there are so many things that people are interested in looking for. And if you can fill that need, there's a lot of opportunities. Yeah, that's awesome. And we live in a very rural area. So a lot of people do have gardens. They have their Mm -hmm. own gardens. A lot of people know how to grow their own food. And so um, there's definitely a market for for the starts in our our town. Yeah, Um, but probably not as much of a market for, let's say, some of the other crops, nursery crops, because they're probably doing a lot themselves. So um, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always interesting that depending on where the location is and, um, and, and what makes sense. Now you did mention too, you're doing mostly vegetables, you're rural. How far are you from your markets? We're actually pretty close. Um, we, I mean, we do one in our 
farms in our hometown, mm-hmm. um, which is just about a 10 minute walk from the farm. We just set up in, in, in the downtown. Um, we had been doing a farmer's market just across, uh, 15 minutes away. Um, yeah. And our, with our wholesale, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go about as far as an hour away. That's, yeah. and, and when we do that hour drive, uh, we've got several grocery stores that we're dropping off to in that farther location. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. try and keep yeah. it really close. So then I noticed too, that you're talking about switching away from the farmer's markets and doing more wholesale. Talk about that decision. There was a few reasons why we decided to do that. This will be our first year only doing our farm stand. Um, we did have, we had, we had a baby last year. Um, and so that was part of the reason why we, um, um, we decided to drop our Tuesday market and, um, just the time, time and energy it took. Um, I'm the primarily the one that, that runs the farmer's market along with some help, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, that's part of the reason, but also we have limited field space. So we were having a hard time, um, keeping up with consistent production to meet, uh, the needs of all of our marketing outlets. Okay. So we did a little bit of an assessment of, it takes a lot of labor to run the farmer's market and to do all the harvest, um, for that, especially with, we do a pretty diverse, um, we try and bring as many, as much variety as we can to the market. Um, and so there's a lot of crops that are require a lot of attention and care, uh, clean, just very specific clean, you know, um, cleaning processes. And so it takes a lot of, a lot of time, um, compared to some of the wholesale, um, uh, crops that we grow. And, um, so we decided that, um, we wanted to focus a little bit more on some of the wholesale. We, we are certified organic. And so we wanted to, there's a little bit of an opening in our area, um, the places that we're specifically selling to the opening is for, for certified organic farms. There's just not that many that are selling Mm -hmm. to the local grocery stores, um, in our area. So we can kind of fill that neat niche. Um, so there was a handful of decisions that we had to make when we decided to drop, um, our most recent farmer's market, just to focus on our local farm stand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think too, I think you mentioned the efficiency aspect of things and the farmer's markets aren't at a specific scale. You're mm-hmm. harvesting just a few of everything and that mm-hmm. it, you're going out for six bunches of chard. <clears throat> that is just so inefficient. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It's the, the 300 bunches of chard going out. That's where you get that as efficiencies. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and the farm stand, I mean, we love our farm stand. We actually have it open six days a week and we have refrigeration and such inside there, but uh-huh. yeah, for us, I mean, people just come and shop and it just works. Um, uh-huh. Now do you staff your farm stand? We do. Yeah. Um, I did what it's gotten to be. It's what it's gotten to is I'm there. And then we usually have two other people helping. Um, we have, I think maybe a year, I can't remember how many years it's been that we, we got, have gotten to this point where we have, we use two iPads, mm-hmm. um, with square hooked up to them. Um, yeah. and, for just efficiency, um, we're able to have two checkout spots, um, 
And that seems to work really well. We were getting a little backed up. Um, yeah. And so we thought just for better service, we could have two people doing that. So usually two, there's two people running the machines and then one person doing restocking. We, we can kind of switch out as needed. Everybody's trained to do the same thing. And so that's what that's looking like. All right. And then that is open. Um, how many hours a week? It's actually, we just do it on Saturdays um, from May to December uh, from 10 to 2. Okay. So, so just a four hour window. Four so you, you treat it like a farmer's market, but on your farm. Uh we treat it as a farmer's market, but we are, it's, it's, um, actually located in town. Oh, okay. Just, so it's off farm. All right. It's yes. off farm and it's just us. There aren't any other farmers or, or vendors that are, um, that are there. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Now, do you also do flowers as well there? We're, we're going to be doing it. We're doing it this year. We had, uh, someone who was working for us, try his hand at it and, uh, some flower production last year. So he did do some, um, mm-hmm. we had taken maybe a year, a little year hiatus, um, from it. I, we, I think we grew them our first, maybe our first, sec- first two years. And, um, and we found that it was, we just didn't, it, Ben and I were the only ones that were working at the time. And we were finding that we were pushing it. Uh, it would, it did the, pri- it wasn't really priority. We were really trying to prioritize the vegetables. So it kind of just yeah, we kind of neglected to really go all out with it, with the flowers. So we, we kind of petered out with it on our third year. Um, so we're hoping this year, now that we have some extra help now, we're a little bit more um, further along in our management. And um, I'm hoping to, uh, we're hoping to do a f- flowers again this year. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about your labor, because you mentioned, you know, doing it yourself, but now it sounds like you're adding a few people in. Yeah. Yeah, we have pretty much three or four part-time workers throughout the growing, you know, for the six or eight months out of the year, basically. Um, One of those people has been with us pretty much from the beginning, so that's been really nice to have someone be really consistent. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, the first two years we basically didn't hire anyone we just went crazy and did it all ourselves and then last year um or let's see yeah and then the third year we started hiring people Mm -hmm. because i was pregnant yeah when aubrey was pregnant Mm -hmm. so the last two years we've sort of valued hiring people we just said okay we're going to put a bigger budget towards that it's going to cost more money but we're not going to go crazy we're going to spend the money have people come help us and and so, you know, I, I was the one out there, most of it, um, dealing with that all throughout when your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then now that our child is a year and a half old, we're kind of able to get Aubrey back out into the field a little bit more and kind of have it be a little bit of a balance of two or three employee, two or three part-time employees, plus us full-time. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously having a kid is challenging. Um, what was like the biggest thing you learned while for, through that experience and, you know, t- going from, you know, couple to a family? Um, I think, I mean, I think having, having a kid really like, it shows you your, um, your priorities a little bit mm. too. It really changes. We were talking about this the other day that it really changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, it, 
also kind of, it almost makes things a little clearer, the goals a little clearer. We know that we have to um, do things efficiently just to make everything run really smooth. And, um, um, and then also uh, take time to um, not, not push ourselves so hard and get, get off work a little early and spend time as a family. We really prioritized that last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you were pregnant, we underestimated how much that was going to take you off the farm. Mm-hmm. We kind of thought, oh, maybe we'll just, Aubrey will be out there hoeing kale still and it'll be, it'll be great. Um, but I ended up doing, I ended up doing all the, I mean, I was working the farmer's markets, doing the deliveries. I did deliveries mm. pretty much the whole time. And then, um, yeah, I'd take naps in the car and yeah. <laughs> I'd be asleep in the van for part of the day because <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. so exhausted. <laughs> but now it's just, it's easy to be hyper-focused. I mean, we, yeah. it's yeah. just, and then, and then, so excited to get there in the morning and get stuff done, but then also excited to to come home if, if he's not out there working with us. So, mm-hmm. and grandma's got him walking distance down the street. So mm-hmm. if me and Aubrey are out there working on the farm for the day, he'll come over at lunch. And so it's just made it mm-hmm. even more fun to be out farming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It de- I think, you, I think what you said there, it kind of gives you those priorities, you know, like on a farm, there's always like those tasks that don't quite have to be done. And so mm-hmm. you're like, well, you know, those tasks we're just never going to get to again. So how can we eliminate <laughs> those tasks totally? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, and my wife actually, cause we have three kids now, she pretty much oh, okay. just r- runs the house, but mm-hmm. we've been so understaffed. She's been out working. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. It's also, you have a, a completely different work speed yeah. when you know that you've got literally, you know, kids that are going to wake from a nap. Or... That is so true. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know. I feel like when, uh, cause we drop him off at my mom's three days a week. And I, um, I really try and mac- maximize the time that, um, I have. Yeah. And I feel like I'm really productive. I feel like I get a ton done. It actually, it's such a contrast to when you have them with you, <laughs> but you just feel like you get a ton done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's your, your, now with your team, do you have them geared for specific tasks that they kind of like focus on, or do they just kind of really all general farm help, whatever needs done that day? Yeah. We're so small that, that we, we kind of have everyone try and do everything. And I think that that's more fun for them. It kind of creates a nice environment if they're switching up and, and doing some wheel hoeing and then, you know, doing something else afterwards. But, um, we don't have them driving the tractor or anything like that too much, mm-hmm. but, but basically, you know, we try and give them a handful of crops, teach them all how to at least harvest those, you know, five things really well, but then also be kind of set up to where if someone's not there one day or they need, you know, we need extra help doing beats or whatever that everyone's able to kind of come and go from all the tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Now with that crew, are those mostly local folks? Are they more like people that are interested in interning or they just, um, people that looking for jobs from the area? Yeah, it's, it's local folks tends to be young people. Um, we've kind of lucked out and gotten a bunch of people that are kind of interested in agriculture or gardening or some version of it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's cool because then we're out there talking about 
plants talking about why we do things the way we do. You know, it's not just a job for them. I mean, the people that are working for us are pretty jazzed to be out there, I think, um, because it's an interest of theirs. So um, uh-huh. that's been really, we've advertised through the local ag program at the community college. And, um, but yeah, we've kind of gotten lucky. We've even gotten a few folks that have worked on other, like some of our friends' farms. So then we're able to say, you know, we're able to talk to them about, you know, this or that employee and, and see how they were with them and if they would be a good fit for our farm. I think a lot of folks around here um, hop around to, to, to farms and, and try out different ones, some of these young people. So kind of like we did. So mm-hmm. um, that makes it really, really fun for us too to have, have cool young people that are excited about what's going on out there, you know, so Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, talk to us through your equipment lineup. What does that look like? And um, what's the typical like bed prep process? Yeah, we, um, I mean, we just have a little 47 horsepower Kubota that we pull like a 3.8 foot disc on. Um, so uh, that's kind of our main prep. I pull a roller packer behind that. And I really like that combination. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've got a two bottom plow. It's, it's, it's everyone's least favorite thing to say, but if we need to, we, you know, turn over a, a soddy section of our field, we'll do that. But um, as far as deep tillage, we have a three shank ripper. And so if we feel like we're getting some kind of compaction layer, we'll, we'll go through. And um, we also kind of have not very good drainage on our field. So I'll kind of rip through the field in the fall so that we know that we're, we're, when we get a lot of our, all of our rain comes in the winter. So, and really none of it comes in this, in the summer growing season. So, um, so basically we'll rip if we need to, but we'll basically be disking and rolling and then, uh, a pass with the tiller or two before we plant just to make mm-hmm. the seed bed. Okay. So then how are you marking your rows? Um, I just, so I drive out, um, we're always kind of playing around with this. I've, I've, I've played around with putting row markers on the rototiller and, and dragging those behind, um, kind of currently we're I'm driving out beds with the tractor, getting a 36 inch bed top with the tractor, and then just walking down with the earthway and, mm-hmm. um, marking out rows that way. And then hand, tra- and then we hand transplant everything. Okay. So, um, so we're able to kind of, we're able to kind of do some things really tight, you know, tight spacing, but then also, you know, kind of customize for each crop since we do a lot of crops. So, um, but yeah, just really simple, just, just walking it out with the earthway to mark out the beds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've, we actually do the marking with, we have basket weeders on our, our mm-hmm. old super C. So that's how we mark, but we're actually, um, I've had the, I don't know if you're familiar with seeing what Dave uh, Hamilton uses for his, like, uh, it's like a marking wheel setup. Okay. Yeah. So he's built, he builds them out of plywood and we're actually moving back to that. Um, that's because tractor it makes, mounted? that's tractor mounted. Well, you can okay. make hand mounted too. We've made our own hand versions. Um, I got a picture someplace of, of the one I've actually got one in the barn right now that we use. Um, but yeah, we're building another tractor mounted one. Our, our maintenance guy is, um, and I think we're just going to front mount that and just raise and lower it with an actuator. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I think something like that would work well for us too, because driving the tractor to mark out the beds, I mean, to driving the tractor to, to, yeah, to, to mark the beds, but not actually marking the rows. Mm-hmm. I, I need, I'd like to find a way that we're just, um, you know, doing it both at once. We almost bought a, a, an old G. And so I liked the idea that of just dragging, you know, planters mm-hmm. or something behind the G 
um, to mark the beds and the rows at the same time. Um, yeah, but we're kind of working our way towards that, but we're also not, you know, fully on a scale where it's not that big of a deal. If we're, you know, our beds are 250 feet long. If we're going to go out and plant, you know, six or six or eight beds of, of lettuce and broccoli and cauliflower, it's pretty quick still to zip up and down the row with, with yeah. the earthway, but yeah. Um, so planting by hand, so you're not using a paper pot at all. We're not no. Okay. Um, and then cultivation is just the wheel hoe. Yeah. We just have a couple of those, the all metal Valley Oak wheel hoes. We really like yep. those. Um, and we go out there with those and, um, hula hoes and that's pretty much all of our cultivation that way. Okay. It works. Yeah. Um, so then, and then harvesting, what's the typical harvest look like? Are you using like a truck to travel the field or do you have like a wagon that you pull around the fields? Yeah. I just drive my pickup truck around. Um, and we just, yeah, we fill up the pickup truck and, and just do circles around the outside of the field. And, and, uh, the, the kind of hub of the, of the farm is right at, at the entrance. So we've got mm -hmm. kind of a, just a cheap little pack shed there and the propagation house and couple tables for a wash station. So we just kind of do loops around the field as we need to get stuff out of the sun or whatever. And, um, mm -hmm. and then in the winter, when it's, when it's a little too wet to get out there with the truck, we'll just use the tractor. Um, mm. so yeah. So in the winter, what does the weather look like for you out there? It's very wet. Um, it's not very cold. We actually get weather that's not that different from our summers in the winter. So you can get days in the low sixties, mid fifties, but then also, um, we'll get a handful of freezes, but really not very hard frosts even. Um, and it just, it rains a lot, or if it's not raining, it looks like it's always about to start raining. <laughs> mm, okay. So then what crops are you growing in the field? Is it pretty much everything? Cause I know like with that amount of moisture, sometimes that might be a little challenging. Yeah. In our field with kind of the we don't have the sandiest of soil. So, um, you know, we put in our, we put in Brussels, cabbage, you know, collards, all that stuff. Um, and we're basically able to kind of grow that into like January. Mm -hmm. And then normally that stuff's not looking good. You know, maybe we can still pull out some leaks or something like that through February, March, but at that point, things are, are pretty ragged out. Um, and so we kind of, that's when we tend to sort of stop our, our season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, one thing I noticed, I think you said you're on rented land. Yes. Mm -hmm. Talk us through the, the challenges around that. Yeah, there's been a lot of good and bad of rented land. We've, yeah. we have, um, well, uh, the challenges, I, I think I, I should say for one, the, the, the positive is that it's, it's been able to it's, it's what's gotten our farm going. So, um, we're yeah. super grateful for our amazing landlords there and, and, uh, kind of believing in us, but the challenges have been, I mean, doing that, that crazy dance of how much do we invest in this property? Um, our landlords wouldn't mind if we were there for eternity and they've said that to us. So we That's have a awesome. great, yeah, yeah. It, it, so we could do costly things on that property and justify them. I mean, we have, mm -hmm put up some small NRCS equipped tunnels and things like that. But we always kind of pump the brakes a little bit on doing too much, you know, doing a, a 
a very permanent deer fence or working on drainage projects or things like that, we, we have a, a little bit of a, a hard time kind of figuring out how to play that versus, you know, looking for other land to possibly buy mm-hmm. um, or finding possibly like a better soil type or something like that. But so, yeah, we're always sort of balancing, like how much do we want to spend on a new, you know, we, we need a bigger propagation house right now. And it's, you know, and we get high winds and, and, and so we're, we're concreting in, in our greenhouses and stuff. So um, yeah, we, we've really, we, we spend a lot of time talking about how, how to play that basically. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what does land cost out there? A lot, right like 50,000 an acre. It's expensive. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Right now yeah. it's really, really expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. So then it makes you, I mean, that's, that's a major aspect of why you'd keep renting. And, and if I might ask, what does rent cost you? Uh, we, we, these folks let us trade them for vegetables. So yeah, you're in a very good release relationship. Yeah. Or yeah, rental relationship. Have, yeah. Yeah. So the awesome. lack of overhead there is, is, and that's also something that we can use as leverage when we possibly try to buy or rent something bigger, we can still be on this property and find something nearby and do that awkward thing where we take a couple of years to transition over, but at least we're still able to create income on the current property without having to set up a bunch of infrastructure on a new property. If it's like, if it's just a field. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's been, that's been really, really cool for us. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the biggest thing that you feel like if you had your own property would change? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think we, I mean, I know we would have already gone way farther into high tunnels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, we're in a great environment for high tunnels, I think, because that little extra moisture in the winter, if you can just get out of that and keep selling, I mean, our demand is there for us to sell year round and we're just not able to. So like, that would be one where we would, we would go pretty full on into mm-hmm. trying to get more covered space in the field. Um, that's probably the biggest one that we would probably change. I'd like to do more perennial. Right. We also, yeah. Um, it, it would be great to plant some, some fruit trees and do strawberries and um, stuff like that, but that's not really, it's not super feasible at the place where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What is that soil type? It looks pretty nice. Yeah. It's, it's a really healthy. I mean, it's, it's very fertile soil. It's a kind of a silty loam with a little bit of clay in, in parts of our field. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is not necessarily, you know, high tillage vegetable production land, but it's like, I think when we got, when it was like horse pasture years ago, before we even started farming it. And then we, we got a soil test the first or second year and it was already like 6% organic matter yeah. and it's gone up since then. So it's very high organic matter, but po- wa- poorly drained. Yeah. The, the yeah. water table is really high. Um, so we, we see, we definitely see that in the winter. So then that probably makes getting out in the fields in the spring sometimes a bit challenging. Very much so. Yeah. Like this year we were able to get the, we've had a really dry winter. We were able to get the tractor out in the field late February. Oh, wow. But then we got a bunch of spring rains, which is kind of seems to be what's happening the last few years. And so then that almost cancels out all the kind of work that yeah. you put in throughout the early spring or late summer. And basically with that, I mean, we got way more work done out in the field early this year 
But then now, I mean, we've got another inch of rain coming this week. We got two inches last week. It's like, you know, it really puts you on pause. So that that's that's a bit awkward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. for, for, for spring farming, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why the tunnels would be so attractive. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah we now, uh, we're putting up our eighth tunnel here. Well, eighth hoop, we have an eighth caterpillar tunnel and we mm -hmm. have obviously the, the big greenhouse as well. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's just so key. Cause like today, I don't think we got any rain, but yesterday was a solid day of rain. Today's dry. Tomorrow's mostly dry, but then Friday is raining all day. I mean, like another couple inches. So yeah, it's, yeah. um, it's getting into the field and, and getting, uh, that done is just really challenging. So yeah, yeah we even found like keeping up with our successions is kind of gets awkward too, because we, yeah. you know, you, you get lettuce out and we're doing like lettuce wholesale, you get lettuce mm -hmm. out in the field, but then you aren't able to get your second or third, you know, planting in. And then that can really put a big gap in it where you don't want. So, yeah. Hey, Thriving Farmers, do you know that you are already standing on the key to bigger yields and better profits? To help maximize your yield and profit potential, look beyond the standard fertility options. Choose Ultra by AgriGrow. Ultra is an OMRI-listed soil prebiotic technology designed to develop the native microorganisms in your soil. AgriGrow's prebiotic technologies are engineered with the users in mind. Ultra is easy to use and has great tank mixing abilities that won't clog or mess up sprayers or injectors. It also does not require refrigeration like many other probiotic formulas available on the market. In December of 2020, I was introduced to AgriGrow. At first, I was a skeptic, but I was able to check out their production facility and meet the owners and staff. This company is great. Over the last year and a half, I've run several different trials using their products and I'm really impressed with the results that I see. I've seen my soil texture improve during cultivation. I've seen decade-old heirloom corn germinate for the first time. My $6 cost of Ultra boosted my strawberry fields dramatically. AgriGrow is offering a 10% discount to all thriving farmer listeners. Simply use the coupon code THRIVE when you check out at smallfarm.solutions. Again, that is T-H-R-I-V-E for a 10% off discount on your first order. So then you mentioned wholesale again. What kind of crops are you wholesaling? So we actually do, we're selling to fairly small grocery store, relatively small grocery stores. So okay. we're able to do, uh, I mean, I think one of the grocery stores, we sell 10 different things to them, but so quite a bit, but we do um, lettuce, cabbage, kale, beets, a little bit of carrots, um, cucumber, zucchini, cilantro, and those are probably our main ones. And then a little bit of lettuce mix. Interesting. So when you say lettuce, you mean more of head lettuce is a bigger sell. Head, head lettuce is uh, less labor for us and and easier to sell to, to the grocery stores that we sell to. Yeah. Mm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because for us, like we sell what I, it's, I think it's a 90 10 split. So 90% salad makes a 10%. Um, our wholesaler won't even take head lettuce. They only want salad from us. Really? That's oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. We almost have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Just different, different markets, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And we're getting seven bucks a pound wholesale for non-certified or organic, you know, organically grown. Okay. We're just not certified, but uh -huh. I mean, and, and seven to me is good money for wholesale. Right. Yeah, um, that is. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, they're not taking a hundred pounds a week. I mean, it's like 50, 70 pounds a week, um, uh -huh. but yeah. uh yeah, it's still good money. So mm -hmm. yeah, um, that's yeah. the other thing we found that we had to, with the lettuce mix that we had to have our price so high to really justify large amounts of it mm. that the, the head lettuce um, price 
for wholesale for us almost works out better. It does work out better. Yeah. And then unless you're trying to convince these grocery stores to buy it at that $7 per pound. Um, and we're just like, we're spinning uh, lettuce mix by hand. We're not doing the, the big spinners or anything like that. So oh, okay. yeah. we're, you know, not, we don't really want to go super hard into lettuce mix, mm -hmm. which works out really well with kind of what the grocery yeah. stores want around us. It seems yeah. like at least. Yeah. Well, it comes back to your market. I mean, so yeah, we're about ready to add spinner two and spinner three. Um, but, um, we, yeah, I mean, we can't head lettuce just sits here. So, right. um, but there is, I mean, the head lettuce is incredibly profitable. The, the margins on that are fabulous too, yeah. just because it's, you know, there's, the, there's no labor after you cut it. Now, do you wash yeah. that or you field pack? Field pack. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. yeah it's really nice. There's a lot of, for, for a lot of the wholesale crops, we enjoy doing the ones that have less processing. You can just do all most, a lot of field packing. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Um, so then what's the process they go through? Because I'm always interested in other farmers wholesale. Do they, do you call them once a week with an availability sheet or you just always have the same things available? Yeah, we touch base with them, I guess, two times a week. Um, we just call the day before we harvest, mm -hmm. I believe. Um, and just let them know what we have available. We've really tried over the years to try and be really consistent as consistent as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but yeah, we touch base with them two times a week and just tell them the day before what we have. Okay. And so you call them or did you send them an email or I call. Okay. So yeah, mm -hmm. that, that, that one-on-one -on -one is, well, that's how you get the upsells because you can always push, well, have you tried this or yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So that it always seems to increase sales. Yeah. Um, and, and so is it like a individual grocery stores and are you doing any restaurants as well? Um, individual grocery stores. We are, we were looking at our numbers and our restaurant sales is about 1% of our sales. So very, <laughs> wow. very small amount. It's yes. pretty much just our, our, in our town, in our, in our farms. Yeah. In our hometown. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, and then back to, are you still doing, I think you've noticed on your website, like the, the CSA. So talk to me through about how that works. Yeah, so um, we decided to set up a free, we call it a free choice market style CSA. Um, we don't pack boxes. Um, when members sign up, they pay 10% off of the, um, well, they, they come and are able to come and shop from the, our farm stand or farmer's market locations. And um, so they pay 10% off of their share value price so that they get 10% mm -hmm. off right off, um, right off the bat. And um, they can just, they, uh, we have in the last, I think last year was the first year we started issuing debit, little debit cards um, okay. with our farm logo on it. And we um, preload them with their share balance and distribute them at the first market that they come to. And so they just have that throughout the year. They um, come to the stand, pick out what they need um, and just swipe their card and, and, and that's it. Um, and then we decided not to do any reloading of the cards. If, if they get through it, they get through it. And then they just, you know, they'd come and pay cash later if they, um, mm -hmm. if they got through it quickly. Um, and that works really well for us. We, um, wanted to personally, we, we, we didn't, we never really wanted a, a box, you know, a CSA box. We, we liked having the, 
option of choosing what you, what you, when you eat, want to eat it and when, you know, what you're eating. And so, um, that worked out really well for us and we don't really have a lot of great packing space if we wanted to do boxes anyways. Um, if, if so it actually, it just works really, really great. And we kind of just, um, it works good for, we, we have found people that like it, um, that prefer that to getting a box. So it kind of mm-hmm. fills that niche in there somewhere. What would you say your biggest competition or the other growers are in your town or your area? Um, I mean, I, th- I think part of our sales has been to kind of avoid a lot of competition. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that we value. There's a really great farmer's market on Saturdays, about 40 minutes north of here. And we like to stay in our town and sell to our neighbors. And we really value that. And then there's some great grocery stores north of us, but we kind of drive south and, and go to the ones down there that um, are basically food deserts and and need access to food. Mm-hmm. And so not to say that there's no competition. I mean, there's lots of farms around here, but yeah. um, we've kind of, we've found that we can sell everything that we grow because we've chosen the outlets that we have sort of. Yeah. You've kind of carved your own niches out. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's very cool. Um, cause it's not, yeah. So it's not like, there's, but there, there's probably no one else doing like the customizable CSA like you're doing. Not really that we know of. There's a, there's yeah. several box CSAs. I think we're, yeah, I think we're the only one. I mean, there's some different styled ones, yeah, but, there's some um, different styles. but yeah, yeah, I think this is, it's not totally unique, but it's, um, it really works for folks, especially in our town here. It's a great way for them to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. sign on to the farm, come out in the fall, check out the farm. We, we used to do before COVID, we'd do like a, a potluck every fall. And so it's a fun way to kind of like create the CSA community, but then like the CSA was 15% of our sales last year. So it's not a huge, it's not like our moneymaker, but it's also a way for us to bring in that early money and then mm-hmm. kind of create a community where we're seeing the same people every week at the market. And then, yeah, so that's been really fun. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. And who would you say your average consumer is? What's the makeup of the people in your area? Are they mostly working down in the bigger cities? Why are they in your area? Yeah, there's no cities nearby. So okay. in our yeah. town of two is like 2000 people. It's rural. This town tends to be older folks, a lot of even retired people. That's some okay. families. And, and, some, and some younger families too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so as far as CSA goes, that's that's who's signing up for that really um, is people nearby over 30, probably over, possibly over 50. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's kind of. Very cool. And so then um, I, I'm just, cause I'm, I'm trying to, re- I'm thinking Cal- to me when I think California, I'm thinking, you know, big cities, but now that I'm looking <laughs> at like your, where you are, you guys are very far North there. Um, yeah. Where I think we're four hours North of, is it maybe even five hours? But yeah. It's north two, of San Francisco? 250 miles North of San Francisco. And, and that's wow. like the biggest town yeah. would be San Francisco or Redding, which is, which is two or three hours yeah. away. So. Yeah. So you're up near Eureka that yes. yeah, almost, almost the border. You should have, yeah, we probably should have started by, yeah, we're pretty much on the border of, um... <laughs> of <Oregon. laughs> yeah. 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 All right. All right. That makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Um, now can you see the ocean from your farm? Um, no, no, no. Okay. But we are five miles. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're five miles drive to the ocean and you can sometimes hear it, but it's, it's out there ways still. Yeah. 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 
let's talk uh, tools, favorite tools. What's uh, your favorite tools? It can be either for, you know, the, the office or the farm or. I think we both came to the conclusion that the wheel hoe is our favorite tool. Um, okay. Yeah, it's just so, ver I mean, you can, it, it just does a really good job and you can get, you get, when you get really good at it, you can get really close to the plants and um, it's just a very satisfying tool to use. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that as far as on-farm tools go, um, I use, this is, I'm just thinking, I use my phone, I mean, my phone so much for communication and for social media. Um, so that's probably another, another tool that I mean, is used daily and yeah, sad, we, we probably sad but would, true. We, yeah. <laughs> we use them a lot. We, we have our production yeah. plans on there we've, that we can share on Google Drive. We've got, mm -hmm. uh, we, we do the, we use the Trello app and that's our, mm -hmm. we, I mean, we're looking at that several times a day. That's our, our weekly, monthly, yearly planning app that we use. And so mm -hmm. the, the phone is definitely a, a, a big part of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like just today I saw a bug in the greenhouse. I didn't quite recognize and pulled it up and it's a soldier beetle. So, you know, it's, those are the kinds of things, which, uh -huh. um, in the, in the past, you'd have had to capture the bug, bring it inside, right. go to the library and find a book. And now yeah. it's literally instantly. And then I can look up, okay, what's the, you know, is this harmful? Is this good? You know, what's uh -huh. it going to, yeah. Yeah. So, you can be ordering new seed as the seed runs out of the cedar or, I mean, it's just, it's so easy. Yes. Probably through your Johnny's account. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, actually it's interesting. It feels like their shipping has slipped a few days. It used to be like two days and now it's like more like four. Um, and I'm sure it's just the, the, the speed of getting stuff out the door, but, um, and yeah. uh, just USPS. But I mean, when we lived in New York, we could order it one day and sometimes we'd see it the next night. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Not here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, sure. Yeah. It's yeah, supposed to be like five, six days probably. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, all right. So then, all right. So favorite tools. Oh, and so how are you doing your planning? Is it all on just Google sheets? Um, so our production planning is on, is on Google sheets. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, yeah. Google sheets. That's about it, huh? Yeah. yeah. And then, um, that's for our, yeah, our production planning and then, um, kind of our weekly, um, daily planning we do on the, the Trello app. Um, and that's been really helpful for us. Okay. So using Trello. All right. I've looked at that one. We're actually using, um, to do list for our, okay. you know, uh -huh. yeah. Um, I think we're, we're even like experimenting with it. I think we're about ready to dive in full, full bore. So yeah. you know, everything just ends up in there right now. Yeah. It's just been more of like the, the daily, like, Hey, you know, we're doing this thing and making sure everyone gets their own little task lists, but, uh, -huh. um, yeah, I think we're about to dive in, in a lot deeper to that. But I mean, we were looking at like some of these softwares, but I think a good spreadsheet's hard to beat. Yeah. yeah, we found like the more that we use the Trello, the more as we get into years of using it, you know, we've got last year's winter to do list, which of course mm -hmm. not everything got done on. And so it's still <laughs> yeah. on there. And then we're able to drag those things into possibly next year's winter to-do list. And yeah. Um, so as you kind of build it up, it just gets, I mean, it's kind of like your, your, your Bible of all the things you ever need to do. And so we use it for the farm, but then also, like you said, you daily, I mean, we've got our grocery list on there and mm -hmm. we can yeah. both, both yeah. see that and check yeah, it off it, and I it, can, yeah. It's a collaborative app. So we can, we both have it individually on our, on our phones and all of our devices. And so we can kind of see it from everywhere and you can see when people are moving things around. 
Yeah. Now, the other thing we use is Google Calendar too. So that's more like annual things or like once a month things would kick into there. So like December is like uh, the reminder, order your road cover because it might be out of stock, that kind of yeah, stuff. Um, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, we kind of do that because that Trello app doesn't, at least that we've found, doesn't really have a calendar type reminder. At least we don't haven't tapped into it. So we mm-hmm. do the same thing where that that Google calendar on your phone is kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the times it's like, oh, we forgot to do that. OK, when should that be done? All right. Yeah. Now make sure it's on the. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like all your tax stuff needs to go to the accountant January 15th, you know, that right. fun stuff. I so. actually started, I think I just, just started recently using the reminders app for some of those things um, oh, on yeah. my phone mm-hmm. and that I, you can, you can set them pretty, pretty far ahead of time. So we did, you know, um, I think I made one to assess our, uh, expenses to see if we needed to do we need to purchase any more equipment at the end of the year? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like yeah. That. So that's a great question. Do you do your own books or do you have a bookkeeper? Um, we, uh, the last we started, well, no, um, we have QuickBooks. And yep. so I started doing, we, we downloaded that. I think last year was our first full year of using QuickBooks. Um, definitely a learning curve. Um, mm-hmm. we have a, a really great accountant that has been just very open with, um, he says, call me anytime you have questions, you know, he's not billing us for it. Um, and he, I think he just knows that if, if we get set up in it correctly, then it's a lot easier for him come mm-hmm. tax time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that was, yeah, last year was our first year doing that before the year years before I was doing it at the end of the year, just re- kind of going through all of our bank statements and it was really messy and really, oh, yeah. um, not not well <laughs> executed. So um, QuickBooks, QuickBooks has been awesome. I'm used to it now and I can use it um, uh, pretty seamlessly. And yeah, so, but, but yeah, the accountant does, um, does our taxes at the end of the year. And that's very, that's, that's a lot easier. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, um, and that's online. So you can just snap pictures of receipts and upload that. And do you do your invoicing from that as well for your, your grocery stores? We don't, we actually do handwritten, um, okay. invoices. Yeah. We had, we had, we had receipt books this year. We have, um, we ordered customized invoice mm-hmm. books that just have our, it has our name and logo and stuff printed at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, cause before we were just writing all that in. So just to save us a little bit of time, um, we'll, we'll, um, j- just be able to jot down the stuff that we're selling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, since we don't live at the farm, we've kind of found it hard to transition over to to computer generated invoices. It's, yeah. it's much so simpler you, for us to just so write you, them out. Mm-hmm. So you don't have an office at the farm, is what you're saying? No. Uh, if you consider our, oh, our yeah. little white plastic table in the propagation house, our office. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We don't have power on the farm actually, yeah. so mm-hmm. we don't. Um... Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's something else. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're very, we're very low tech and things are pretty simple. <laughs> well, I mean, if it works, that's all that matters. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just thinking through all the things that power runs on my farm. So wait a minute. So do, do you have a walk-in cooler? No, no. Oh, wow. So you're it's, harvesting day of or day before. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of common around here. Not mm-hmm. even farms that are much bigger than us. Not all of them have walk-in coolers. It's mm-hmm. <sighs> It's because of the climate, um, we're, we're kind of able to get away with that. 
But well, okay, yeah. I mean, I guess if it was fifty to seventy degrees every single day, I wouldn't need a cooler either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, like it is nice because like we'll have an overage of lettuce and we can pop it in the cooler for you know to make sure it stays till the weekend. Um, that would we, be great. We would use one if we had one. Yeah. We would yeah. love one. But mm-hmm. for now, yeah. this is talking about rented land. Yeah. That's a great example. I mean, our landlords have a barn and we could probably talk to them about that. But yeah, that's kind of getting into those things where if you don't need it, now's not the time to do it, it feels like. Well, yeah. And, and it's expensive to bring in power. I mean, because you could put yeah. a submeter in and then have a, a meter, a basically a thing on the submeter that just gives how much you're using. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and then just even like a, even like buying a, trailer and insulating it to be able right. that would be you know that's we've what, talked about that yeah, yeah that was just super nice um but yeah no it's it's interesting just to think through though just the different areas of the country and what the different environments allow you to do yeah it's we're in a unique spot where it's yeah um i mean i i think most people will be blown away how cool the summer is i mean when i said we get up to 70 it's pretty rare that we see 70 on on the weather you know, it's, it's oftentimes 55 in the summer. So, wow. Yeah. We even, uh, cool our tomato room. So we have a tomato room wow, and we yeah. actually, we keep that at like 50, 55 and we actually have a, if a, you know, an air, a cool, a cool bot in there. So, wow. um, but yeah. All right. Well, is there anything I didn't ask that you wish I had? Um, I don't think so. All right. Well, we can so. wrap it up. Thank you both so much for coming on. I know it's a very busy time of year, so um, you've probably got 16 things that you need to go do, <laughs> but uh, we definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing your uh, your story and your wisdom and uh, look forward to watching you guys continue to grow. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us, Michael. Absolutely. And congrats on the kid. You know, kids are always, uh, they may be <laughs> a challenge, but they're so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.